Hello, podcast listeners. So I've got a question for you. The question is, what's it feel like to create a business around your passion? The thing that you wake up fired up about, the thing that you would love to do, even if you weren't paid for it. And what's it feel like to do that at 23 years old? Not just once, but twice at the same time, concurrently, two different businesses around your passions. Well, today I sit down with a good friend of mine and a guy who was actually a colleague of mine for a while there in Melbourne. His name is James Hargreaves. And James is a co-owner of Workshop Gym and Q, which was the business that I originally started with my little sister when I lived in Melbourne. And he's also the owner and founder of See the Ability, which is a mobile personal training service for people with special needs. And in this episode, we dive deep into the challenges that James has seen, the learnings that he's had, and also his story to understand more about how he came into this position, how he decided to become an owner, a creator, and basically why he didn't just settle for a job like everybody else. There's a lot of really cool takeaways in this one. Uh, It was great for me to get some time with James and kind of flesh things out a little bit deeper. Obviously, I've known a lot about his story. We met in about 2015, and James was about 19 years old then, and he walked into the gym, and then, you know, we hung out for about three years when he, and he worked for us for a couple of those as well. So I think if anyone out there is thinking about starting something, starting their own path, carving their own path out, and interested in how their personal story can play into that as well, this can be a really valuable episode. I hope you get a lot out of it. Listen carefully. There's also some great insights on how James manages to find balance, maintain some sort of equilibrium in his life as a 23-year-old multiple business owner, partner, you know, son. How does he do it? So hope you enjoy it. If you've got any questions, reach out to me i'd love to answer them on the on the next episode you're listening to john marsh this is the access potential podcast we hit episode 64 uh, all right so i'm over in new zealand i'm in auckland for a couple of days getting a little bit of work done after visiting my folks out on great barrier island and i'm catching up with uh my good friend and previous colleague uh, James Hargraves, who's over in Melbourne. So thanks for coming out some time, James. I uh, appreciate you sitting down. How's everything going over there? Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's good. It's, it's going well. Um, it's, it's a long, long weekend here, so it's pretty, pretty cruisy on this Monday morning. Yeah, nice. It's been a long time coming to get you on the, the old podcast, so I'm glad we teed it up finally. Yeah, nah, so am I. I've been ripping into you about when you'd finally get me on. So glad, glad the day's here. I hope it's all that it was expected yeah. to be. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. So, so James, for those listening, I'm watching, we're on a Zoom call. as That's how I do most of the recordings if somebody's not local. I guess a little insight is you get really clear audio and um, you... I'm just making sure my audio is recording actually. Yep, you get really clear audio. Uh, You just don't get those kind of video clips as well. So if you're looking to do podcasts and that, you kind of miss out on that side, but it's a really great tool. So I get to see James, 
he's sitting in, he's got um, the workshop gym logo behind him. He's sitting in front of the rig. Um, and this was, of course, the place where I used to hang out and, uh, you know, from 2014 to 2018. Uh, yeah, so, it, and, and that's where I met James as well. So I think it's a cool episode for me and hopefully a little bit for James. I think it'll bring some value to people looking to jump into um, owning a business and starting business and, and we'll flesh out a bunch of stuff around that. So let's go. I love to start with some story, some context so that people can um, perhaps resonate and get a little bit of understanding. Um, James actually owns and runs two businesses now. We'll get to all of that. Um, take us back to, you know, your upbringing, you're in Melbourne now, um, where you grew up, kind of childhood you had, and, you know, if anything pops out to you in terms of what maybe started this interest in, you know, whether it's sport, training, health, you know, this whole world that you're obviously in now as a business owner. Yeah, okay. So, I am very, I always think that I'm so lucky I have two parents that work extremely hard and that's something that I'm I'm grateful for every day I try to make sure I sit down and find some time to be grateful for everything that I have and that's definitely stemmed from having two very hard working parents and so I've grown up in the eastern suburbs of Kew where it was in Hawthorne until I was you know, 12, then we went out to Box Hill or something a little bit bigger and then came back in and now in queue at the moment. Um, I went to just the local primary school, went to Auburn, Auburn Primary, and then I was lucky enough to go to Trinity Grammar School in queue. And I suppose I've always been, I suppose, I really don't like this word, but entrepreneurial-minded Uh, I've got, you know, memories of being 13 and 14 and not at that 14 and nine month mark to be able to get a job legally in Australia. And so I was always just doing everything I could to try and get the extra cash on the side, whether that was, you know, mowing the lawns, washing mum and dad's car. Um, I've got (laughs) pretty funny memories of actually trying to start a lawn mowing business. And I made these... Uh, flyers on Microsoft Publisher and it was shocking but I walked around the neighborhood and you know put all these flyers in people that had um, lawns and nature strips and you know tried to drum up a bit of business because I'd I don't know I I, I'm not sure if it was even the money side of things maybe it was to you know buy the next next Yu-Gi-Oh card booster pack or, you know, Pokemon cards. But I was kind of all, I've always been that way inclined. And I got the grand total of one customer. And how many drops do you think? I reckon I probably did. It'd be somewhere between 70 to 100. Okay. So, Not bad. so Not bad. you know, that's what's that? Like, let's say it was a hundred. That's a one percent return. You know, it's like, <laughs> I've 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 had worse, but uh, it was it was one man, and I did his nature strip for five dollars, and then he wanted a tax invoice, and I and I was thirteen, <laughs> and I was like, what the hell is that? 
and it was just frazzled and that kind of rocked me a bit and <laughs> then, then I went home and was like mum daddy wants a tax invoice what do I do and then he tried to get me to write it on a piece of paper you know I mowed your lawn for five dollars on this day and sign it and mum and dad were like look don't worry about it just don't go back to his house and I haven't I haven't mowed someone else's lawn since <laughs> wow early little scare huh yeah well, the good news is I now know what a tax invoice is, and I, I well and truly know what tax is. But um, yeah, I mean, I've it's I've always been, you know, I've got an older brother who is very different to me. He's he's a lot he's a lot smarter. Um, he's always been pretty switched on. He's a bit more of a bit more of a straight shooter, and you know, growing up, um, we've always had a great relationship, but. Yeah, I'm not sure what it is. I've always been motivated by, you know, trying to trying to always do things and, you know, make some money. Um, my girlfriend always rips into me about not being able to take any time off or any downtime. Um, but, yeah, I suppose that, you know, that kind of gives me a bit of a... That's a bit of a backstory about how so, we're, how so we're talk about So talk, talk about a little bit... So that's kind of the business side. Obviously, the two businesses that you're running are in the, like, you know, it's one of these words like the health space, training, gym, um, kind of personal training areas. So yep. where did that infusion come from? I know yep. your brother was obviously was sporty as well. I know when I met you, you were coming out of some footy and stuff like that. Yep, yep. Um, in early sort of CrossFit days. Yep. Talk about that a little bit, and um, were you always active? Was that always something that you were thinking about? Yeah, so I suppose the other thing that I've always been, you know, inclined to do is exercise. I've, I've loved it, absolutely loved it. For as long as I can remember, you know, it started as the classic 12-year-old, 13-year-old doing push-ups and sit-ups in my bedroom, um, and then from the school I went to, we were lucky enough to have a school gym and there was a school trainer there. His name was Lee Clark. And from the day I could, you know, was allowed to get into the gym, which I think was year 10, but I might've been sneaking in there in year nine. Um, it was in there, you know, asking questions, picking his brain. I think at the time he had an Olympic weightlifting level one coaching cert. And so got in there and said, you know, can you teach me to snatch, teach me to clean? And he was, he was super generous with his time. You know, there's this little, little wiry 15-year-old coming in asking to do these complicated lifts and he was, he was really generous. And um, I, as, I, as you said, you know, I started, I was playing footy all from tackers, which is under nines. In, uh, I played for Hawthorne Sits and played pretty much from under nines until I was 19. And I wasn't, I wasn't too bad, but I also wasn't, you know, the best on the side. I kind of, where I suppose I excelled was the training field. And I was always, you know, I'd like to think I was always the hardest worker on the track. Um, you know, footy camps were kind of my jam when it came to day two and everybody was pretty sore and beat up and it was time to grit your teeth and get to work. That's kind of where I, I suppose, excelled. And then it didn't necessarily convert to, you know, that 
ability on the field. So I probably wasn't as naturally talented as some of the other players that I was um, lucky enough to play with. So I, it kind of always came back to that that hard work and that was always something I could control. You know, attitude and output were two things that I could, that were always in my control regardless of natural ability. And so I, I focused on them. And then, you know, had the, had the hard chat with myself and realised that maybe playing at a high level in football wasn't something that was going to happen. And that was always a goal moving up through um, my teenage years, particularly being, you know, a teenage boy in particularly Victoria. You know, AFL players are made out to be, to be rock stars. And so that was kind of something I was shooting towards. Kind of got my opportunity to try and prove myself with a higher level rep team, and then um, that didn't work out. And then I think it was the the peace of mind that I finally got that opportunity to try, and it didn't work. That was almost like the closure I needed. It, it up until up until then, it was I haven't got my shot yet. I haven't been able to prove myself. Um, and then I got that opportunity and it was, you know, sorry, mate, it's just, it's just not enough. And so, you know, it was, um, again, on the training field, you know, high, highest beep test score out of the 50 blokes that were there, um, you know, always putting in the most. But then when it came to the practice matches, just wasn't, wasn't quite up to, up to scratch. And, and then after that, it was, I was okay with it because I'd gotten that opportunity and so thought, okay, well, now it's time to roll onto something else. And then at the start of, it was either the start of year 12 or the end of year 11, when one of my mates showed me the 2013 men's CrossFit Games finals event. It was like a, it was like a heavy deadlift, some pistol squats and a handstand walk. And I, I, I just remember watching this thinking, this is unreal. And who is this Rich Froning bloke just absolutely going on a tear? And then it's kind of gone from there. I spent a few months at a gym nearby called CrossFit Hawthorne East. Um, they were lovely. They were so really supportive and really nice to me. I couldn't afford to pay the gym membership. And so they let me clean the gym. Um, because I think they, you know, I, I tried to make it clear that I was pretty motivated. I wanted to, you know, now pursue this and I couldn't, I couldn't afford the, you know, 65 or 70 a week, whatever it is these days. You were about 19 then, right? I I, I, I was 18. Yeah. 18. And so, you know, 70, 70 bucks a week for an 18 year old is, is a fair bit. Yeah. And, and so I said, well, you know, can I clean the gym every every Sunday and that kind of sorts out the membership and they said yes and so then it was you know trying to uh, make opportunities where I could so I, I would I would clean in a weight vest and you know walk around vacuuming and mopping the floors in a weight vest trying to make it a little bit harder um, I do think <laughs> I do things like a max set of max set of pull-ups and then 
strict, of course. Max, max set and then keep scrubbing and then like 10 minutes later do another max set and then see yeah. how many I could accumulate over the two hours of cleaning. Yeah. Just, just silly things like that, trying to make, trying to make the best out of an yeah. opportunity. Um, and then now here we are. So, yeah, finished up at Hawthorne East and then I came and, came and met you because I needed some programming to get a little bit stronger. Strength has never been my strength. And so I needed to, I needed to work on that pretty much across all lifts. And I met you and then um, started then training. Then things went downhill for you quickly. And then, and then things just kept going south from there. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's... Uh, uh, Again, the ripe age of 19. Well, yeah, correct. And so then again, you know, you and Liz, because you were both owning the gym at the time, you were really supportive. I think it was another case of I couldn't afford the membership. And so I think I was helping you clean. And I was also at uni doing an exercise science and a sports management, a business degree. So the double degree that they do at Deakin. And so I... I expressed to you that I was pretty keen in doing some coaching as well mm. and so the combination of doing some shadowing and some cleaning I think you know we then we then came to an arrangement and so I got to train with you most days which was great I, I'm a firm believer in training with someone that's better than you you know they can they can only pull you up and so you know here you were I think when I met you your your max dead was probably 2.20 or 2.30. Yeah, I think, I think it was a little bit after your 2.50. So you, you, no, you, no, it was, before, it was still before. Oh, it was, was it? was still on the way up, I'm pretty sure. Ah, uh, okay, okay. And, you know, so you, you, were, you were pretty strong in that regard. You know, you squat 180, you, you were clean and jerking 130. And so it was just, it was, it was what I needed to be around. And I think we were running with a fair bit of the conjugate strength training you know bands and chains and and that that helped for a while and so um, if you're listening just quick context the gym when we opened was uh, we opened workshop gym which was previously called crossfit q and it closed down i think there was about eight members left or something when we took over the lease and we we kept the affiliation that's called a, a crossfit affiliation for a while but we quickly went into more of a strength and conditioning focus in the programming so we valued um we just wanted to we wanted to get people stronger we thought there was a lot of value in strength um and you know there was a bit of flexibility and a little bit of and, and conditioning and stuff too but so at that time this um james talking about strength like that was for me um the lowest hanging fruit for someone who wanted to get good or compete or anything like that and James's journey was similar to mine, um, a lot of fitness, but just really lacking in where you needed to be on the, on the strength side of things. So yeah, that's kind of where things were then, I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so then working with you, uh, coaching here on some of the days, taking some of the classes and kind of always had this plan to con compete competitively in CrossFit but I looked at it at, you know, a five-year plan. So something, you know, our mate Gary V bangs on about is being patient and, you know, not wanting everything instantly and everything really quickly. 
And so I thought, okay, I need to keep and, and, and improve, but keep my base where my aerobic ability is at, but also get the strength numbers right up there. And so I looked at it on a five-year plan and said, all right, we'll do 80% strength work and 20% CrossFit Metcon work and conditioning, you know, some running, rowing, whatever that, whatever that looks like. And we'll do that for about four years and that will bring the strength up and hopefully maintain the uh, aerobic side of things, the capacity side. And then now, and in the last few months, I've almost gotten the strength to where I need it to be. And now it's kind of dialing in on the specificity of things and going, okay, now it needs to be 75% CrossFit and Metcons and trying to move quickly and, you know, short time domains, mixed domains, mixed modal stuff, and then 25% of the strength work and trying to maintain that and slowly improve that and really kind of hone in on, um, you know, the overall overall goal of competing in CrossFit. And so the last few months and kind of aiming towards a particular goal in mind means that it's the it's the aggregate of the last four years and the compounding effect of building that and trying to move towards where we want to be in 12 months from now and been yeah. work been working at it for the last five years yeah and so yeah that's I suppose that that's that's where I'm at. Okay, so uh, let's back up a little bit. So in uh, so in twenty end of twenty eighteen, I my little sister, so she was co owner of the gym. She bought me out. Mm-hmm. Um, I moved up to Newcastle. Then several months later, I'm not yep. sure how many months it was, maybe six, something like that. Um, yeah, James. Yeah, so James had been, you'd been coaching with us then for, um, it must have been. It was probably the better part of three and a half, four years. Yeah, yeah, yeah three, and, three and a half, four years. You had started to see the ability, and I want to talk about that next. Yeah. Um, so he, he knew the community. He lived down the street from the gym, and James um, and Ego ended up buying the gym. So they're now the owners of the gym. Talk about, like, you know, there's a lot in this conversation of going from, you know, when I met you, you walked in um, back in 2015 or whatever it was, um, you know, 19 or so years old. 19 and in. 78 kilos. <laughs> yeah, correct. And and um, and then all of a sudden now you own you own a space and yeah. you're running one, two businesses kind of concurrently, one, you know, in and out of that space, is the other one in and out of the space as well. Uh, what... For you was what, what's that like talk about that a little bit it's um it's a really interesting point because so my dad is a professor at melbourne uni and he's in the exercise physiology world and so i i started this exercise science degree and pretty quickly realized that i'm a bit more practical dad's a bit more theoretical And he had always kind of, through my teenage years and into uni, he had made jokes about, you know, oh, you could have a gym and it could be called Jim's Gym. And and that was was kind of his thing, you know. I I could consult out of upstairs and, you know, you can have Jim's Gym. 
And I, I was never really sold on the idea and just it, it wasn't something that um, really piqued my interests. Uh, and so I started See the Ability, which, as you said, we'll talk about in a minute. But it was then, you know, a year and a half, almost two years later after having See the Ability that this opportunity came up. And if you had asked me two years ago in two years do you want to be running a gym I probably still would have said no but it was almost too much of an opportune moment to pass up Mm. here was this here was this gym that I've been at for four years that I could start running with one of my best mates um, that I'd met through the gym as you said I knew most of the members here and so it was it was a really smooth transition and my my girlfriend again she's often the voice of reason said well hey look you you will never like easily you'll never get this opportunity again to be able to buy a gym that's already you know set up and already has a membership base where you know most of the members and so we decided to bite the bullet and we bought it off your younger sister Liz and that was in August 2019 so it's been just over six months six or wow months. it's not long has it no it's um, not long so it's really interesting because it might be also a value if you're listening when i opened when lizzie and i opened the gym and i moved down from melbourne you know james just mentioned then that two years out it was definitely not on the radar and for me, literally three months out, it wasn't on the radar. Like I was up in Sydney living and then all of a sudden there's a message thread going back and forth that this place is going going under and yep. they're going to lose their, um, their break lease fee and maybe there was something that we could do and come in. Yeah. And so I don't think that this is for everyone. Like I think some people have goals that they work towards necessarily for five to ten years, but... At the other time too, like if you're open and you're lean and on your expenses and you're nimble um, in life in general, sometimes these things pop up and it can be it can be a pretty swift turn and all of a sudden you're doing something, you've leveled up, you know, pretty yeah. quickly. Yeah, I agree. And as you said, you know, some people have those long-term plans and I've just spoken about the long-term plan with CrossFit and yeah. it's... You know, I'd, I'm a pretty goal-oriented person as well, but it's the, uh, you know, the attitude of come what may and being ready to ready to zag and, and move laterally and even, you know, maintaining the trajectory for a specific goal, but moving, moving laterally and not always, not always forward. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so how old are you now? I'm 23. Yeah. So you're 23. You've you own this brick, like a bricks and mortar proper um, the big gym business. Yep. Six months in, uh, before you were an owner there, you started see the ability. Yep. So if workshop gym services, um, you know, general pop people building strength and and wellness and mobility and community, uh, talk to us about. See the ability. What is mm-hmm. it? Tell us a little bit about the story behind this, because I, I really like, I, I really like it. I really like the personal story side of things too, and where things came from with that whole thing. 
Yeah, so I have two cousins that are twins and they're both autistic. And I've grown up with them pretty much my entire life and always never really struggled to hang out with them, communicate with them, was never really afraid of the fact that it wasn't, you know, in quotation marks here, normal. And they were, they, they were very different. And that was something I, I never really struggled with. And I have this passion for strength and conditioning and this experience with, you know, two autistic boys. And then when I finished school, for the sake of making some good money, I became a support worker. And as a, you know, as a 19, 20-year-old, it, it was paying $30 an hour. And at the time, it was, you know, it was to make the money so I could pay for things like the gym and, and for protein powders and food and all, all that kind of stuff. And so I became a support worker whilst I was also coaching under you at workshop. And was a support worker for two and a half years and I started doing some personal training with my two cousins and they took to it like fish to water and loved it you know there were there were some physical changes in terms of you know that's probably coupled with with puberty and changing medications and whatnot but still there were some there were some physical changes they they leaned out they got stronger they got more more confident um but then there were also these behavioral changes and they just like anybody you know it's just because they have autism doesn't mean that the the way exercise makes you and I feel isn't going to have the same effect on them and you know that that endorphins release and and you know letting out the testosterone of these two hormonal teenage boys the the effect it had on their um emotional and mental state of mind was was awesome and so pretty quickly what started to happen was I had parents of my cousin's friends then my, my cousins are called Tommy and Luca and so I had parents of Tommy and Luca's friends saying well hey can you can you do some training for my boy too you know he's got autism or he's he's non-verbal or he's got down syndrome whatever whatever it was and I kind of thought well I don't know like I don't know what the I don't know what the legalities around it are and I it, it was complicated and so <laughs> literally went home and googled how to start a business and it said get an ABN so I googled how to get an ABN and then it said get insurance so I googled how to get insurance and then it was it was literally a checklist and it was a matter of breaking it down and going one step at a time because it's so many people you know don't don't take action and they've got these they've got these office jobs or jobs that they like but they feel as though their passion is somewhere else and they look at it as though oh it's too hard you know i mm. don't know i don't know how to i don't know how to start this adventure and it was literally a case of step by step googling what to do and then just doing it and so I, as of January the 16th, 2018, that was See the Ability's official start date. I have now got three other trainers 
we've got about 25 clients um, that between myself and the three other trainers we see on a, on a weekly basis. And we do mobile personal training for kids with special needs. So we go in our cars, we take the equipment to their house and we have a 45 minute session working on, you know, very individualized specific strength programs for these clients. For some very low functioning, highly autistic kids, it's a matter of 45 minutes of movement that they otherwise wouldn't have where they'd be sitting on an iPad at home doing nothing. And we come in and we'll take them for a walk to the park. We might kick a soccer ball. And then we have other, you know, very high functioning participants. And it's, you know, your proper squat, hinge, push, pull, some core work, and then a bit of fun at the end. So it's a, like, like, like Gen Pop, you know, it's no different. There's such a wide variety of abilities and you adapt accordingly to each individual. Yeah. And talk to us a little bit about, because I think there's some cool things you, you know, like reality is, uh, so you were, so quickly, how old were you then when you started it? I started it when I was 21, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So I, think, I remember yeah, when you must have been 20 or something like that. And you had this little gold Mazda that you would Beast. whip in and out of the, um, yeah. of the gym. And great, great car. Thanks, great, thank, great little thanks, grandma. Car. Yeah. Grandma's yeah. Mazda. Then I remember you wanted to buy a van for a long time. Yeah. And you had this idea where you could buy the van, you could do the road trips and of course go surfing and do that yep. kind of stuff. Yep. Um, and you could deck it out. Yep. And, you know, so I think what I'm trying to extract here is this, this like process. And, and there's a bit of patience there, but also a bit of grind. Like you make the investment on the van mm-hmm. and then talk to us about, cause you needed to kit it out or whatever. And so, you know, because you're going to people's places, you're not bringing them into a gym with tons of gear. Yeah. How did you leverage that? What did you do? Because I remember you reached out to some different companies. Yeah. Um, how did you get yourself rolling, uh, let's say, to that first, you know, yep. the early adopters with the business and those first few clients? Yeah. Well, that was that was the other thing. You know, I, I wasn't in... Um, a position where you know I had all this capital lying around that I could just go and buy this you know thousand thousand dollars worth of equipment and buy a brand new van and I've always got growing up mum has always said there's never any harm in asking and I I adopt that in pretty much everything and so I wrote up a business plan and I wrote up these letters and sent them off to Volkswagen sent them off to Mercedes, like dealerships around Q and sent them off to all these different dealerships saying, hey, this is what I'm doing. Can you help me? And of course, none of them got back to me, which is fine. You know, it's, it, was, it was a process I enjoyed doing regardless of the outcome. And as mum always says, there's never, never any harm in asking. I also did the same thing for equipment. And so... I messaged Iron Edge, uh, I think Rogue Australia, again, Faster, Alpha Fit. And so these are all, for listeners, like if you're not familiar, these are just basically yeah, all sorry. of the main pillar gym gear supplies yeah. and manufacturers. Yeah, Australian all, the, all, the, all the big ones. Yeah. 
And so I messaged them the same thing. It was, this is what I'm doing and can you help me? And three, three or four weeks went past and nothing happened. I thought, all right, that's all right. I'll need to figure something out, ask for a loan. Or, and then I got a call from a lovely guy called Gene, who is actually the owner of Again Faster. And he said, g'day, mate, this has just come across my desk. I, we mostly work with, you know, high-performance S&C facilities, but I really believe in what you're doing and think it's a great idea and we'd, and we'd love to help. And so they, he pretty much said, look, whatever you need, we'll give it to you at, you know, just like cost price. And so bought a whole bunch of equipment. And it actually, this was a case of, you know, trial and error, but it worked out that most of the equipment that we needed was easily transportable. You know, it, it's not... If you've got this idea that you've created in your head that, you know, I've got assault bikes in the van and I've got GHDs in the van and all these big dumbbells and, you know, rigs set up off the van, it's not like that at all. It's literally a couple of slam balls, some resistance bands, a big yoga mat, um, some light dumbbells, some light kettlebells, and that's that's pretty much it. That yeah. you'd, you'd be surprised how creative you can get with you know, the one piece of equipment. And so I got all this for really cheap off, um, off Gene and again faster and said, look, as a, as a thanks, you know, I'll brand the van with supported by again faster and it's on the see the ability website. And as a, you know, as a, the cell of making it mutually beneficial. Yeah. Okay, cool. So you got a van, you kit it out with gear. This time you're still coaching at the gym. Yep. And you start, um, you start traveling around, and you start, you know, getting clients, getting more and more clients who want to get your yep. service, want to get the kids moving. Um, what were some of the? What have been some of the challenges? You know, because it's interesting talking to someone who's got like the remote coaching business or the remote yep. training business and the gym business at the same exact time. Yep. Most of the time people will be like the outdoor trainer is a progression too, yeah. or they just don't want to own a gym. So they, they're one or the other. Yeah. Talk to a little bit about that remote style of things, how that non bricks and mortar um, business, some of the challenges or, or things that came up for you. Yep. So the, the biggest benefit is that obviously there are no overheads in terms of rent and yeah. and utilities, which having now the bricks and mortar of workshop are huge. So it, particularly being in you know a pretty good suburb and a pretty good spot in the suburb, the the overheads are massive, and I noticed that running see the ability and being mobile that this was. This was the cost, you know, I've got fuel costs, I've got insurance costs, I've got paying my staff and then servicing the van and off the top of my head, there's probably, there's, there's not much else. So the, the, a good thing about the mobile aspect of things is that overheads are low. Yeah. The most challenging thing, which is the foreseeable issue is that it's a, it's a logistical nightmare. So trying to, you know, I get quite regularly, I get people that inquire 
and, you know, they're from Frankston or they're from Lilydale or they're from Reservoir. And if, if you're not familiar with the geography of Melbourne, I'm based in Kew, they're all at least, you know, half an hour, 35, 40 minutes away. And so obviously a 45 minute session from a feasibility point of view for the business, it doesn't make sense to be driving half an hour, do the session, driving half an hour back. So that's an hour of travel time for a 45 minute session. And so what was happening was I needed to wait to get enough interest from a particular area that warranted traveling to that area but I needed the expressions of interests all to be on the same day and one could do 3 to 3.45, another could do 4 to 4.45 and then another could do 5 to 5.45. And so getting all those pieces lined up is, and still today is the challenge I have. It's just, it's a logistical puzzle and it's a nightmare trying to get that all perfectly coordinated. Whereas yeah. that's, that's not an issue you have when you have bricks and mortar because it's like you come, to, you come to us. Yeah, yeah. So it's almost like you, in a way, open up, say, a, a reservoir, you know, Tuesday afternoons at reservoir. You're kind of yeah. opening, up a, opening up a little hub or a little, like, timetable, so to speak, of yeah. four available spots. And you've either got to wait for those inquiries to come in or you've got a market to reservoir and find Correct. people yeah. who, who do that. So do you, are you, you know, because I understand early a lot of the stuff would be word of mouth, early adopters, friends of friends. Yep. Are you actively also marketing and communicating to look for those people and grow? Or is this all just coming um, uh, passively towards you still? So because it's been, you know, one thing, one thing you talk about is that, idea of a super niche and I think when you look at okay I if you if you think about a Venn diagram and you've got personal training and then you've got special needs in terms of that overlap there's I'm sure there's more than I'm aware of but I'm I'm only aware of one or two possibly two other businesses in Victoria that do it and then I might even be the only mobile one and so the benefit of that is that these people hear about it organically through word of mouth and they're you know they say oh that's that's I've never heard of anything like this it's great and so the growth has been I haven't had to do any marketing and if I was to do it I'd have to tell them you know sorry, you've got to wait, I've got a full schedule. And then they're kind of thinking, well, why did you market it in the first place if you can't actually meet the demand? Yeah. And which brings up another challenge of staffing. One, finding the right people is really challenging. They need, in that same Venn diagram, they have to be passionate about strength training or like movement. And then they also have to be, have the soft skills of, you know, empathy and patience and be able to work with special needs clients in a capacity where you might be spending the entire session trying to get a kid to squat properly 
Yeah. You know, the whole the whole idea of, okay, we've got 45 minutes, this is what we're doing, and this is the outcome, just goes out the window. And, yeah. it, and it becomes, all right, let's try to teach this kid how to squat. This is where you need to set your feet up. This is what I want you to do with your arms and your chest and, you know, breaking at the hips and the knees and all that kind of stuff. And it takes 45 minutes to try and get it right. So it's kind of like in terms of a class, a group class, and it was interesting speaking with Dom and Marcus, obviously who have on the last episode, um, Marcus in particular, a PT in the Air Force, so leading yep. a lot of very, like there's a lot yeah. of structure. The, yeah. the expectations like you come in and you you do the tasks, so to think, and that was kind of what I was getting anyway. I, I may have mistaken it, but really for you, it's sounding like almost a flip. It's like, I need to show up and under- and figure out what I need to do in order for this to run smoothly. Yeah. With some sort of intent, like I have the intent Correct. of what I'm going to do, but really I've got to learn, like be adaptable. And and that was the the best thing about the years that I spent with you, and and subsequently now with Ego and other other really good trainers in the field is that you develop this pool of knowledge I suppose and this bank of exercises and how to progress and how to regress um, movements and so it's having an idea of what I want to achieve out of the session but then rocking up to the session and knowing that it could go completely belly up and we have to do something else and just being able to uh, prepare for that you know prepare for the unknown and when it happens because it often does it's it's fine and you just you you work with what you got. Talk to us about balancing all of this stuff because I think as a listener, you know we've talked now about you're an owner of a gym, yeah. We're co co-owning a gym. You've got see the ability with uh, there's three other staff or or three of you total. Yeah, three others. So there's four of us total. Team of four yep. um, traveling for different. Areas. service different clients different yep. a whole spectrum of different types of clients and then you've got your training so you're looking to compete pretty heavy in the next 12 months yep uh relationship um you know and then life on top of that <laughs> yeah so tell us a little bit about how you go about you know especially you know 23 pretty young how are you finding your way in terms of balance, getting what you need to do done and getting the attention, you know, that you're finding that you need for all of these different things? Yeah, I think, as you said, I'm, I'm 23, so I'm pretty young and I, I hear that more than you'd like to think. People often, often think I'm a little bit older than 23, but here, here I am. Um, and... I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of learning as I go, but a, a couple of quotes that really kind of resonate with me, one in particular is wherever you are, be all there. And so when I'm training, I'm training and I try not to think about everything else and I try to make the training as, as, as best and, and optimise it as well as I can. And then when I'm in the gym and working on things at workshop, it's I'm working on workshop. And then when I'm with see the ability, it's see the ability. When I'm spending time with my girlfriend, and she might attest to this, but I try to spend time with her. And so, yeah, it's a matter of um, 
really trying to be present and in the moment and when not playing favorite child either. So I tried particularly having the two see the ability in workshop. I try not to let my energy go too far towards one because then the other starts to suffer. And it's, it's pretty crazy how apparent that becomes really quickly. Mm. You know, one might be thriving and then the tendency is to move towards that one and, you know, keep... It's, it's just this positive feedback loop. Oh, it's doing well, do more. And then it's doing even better, so keep doing more. And then this other one slowly, like, you know, sinking away and stepping back objectively going, hey, you know, if you've got two kids, you don't, you don't try to prefer one over the other, you know, keep the, keep the love 50-50. So, yeah, really trying to focus my efforts on what the task is at hand. I'd yeah. say that that's how that's how I'm that's how I'm trying to balance it all, and also not let not let the pressure of it all become overwhelming. I always I always jokingly say, you know, it could be worse. You could be dead, and <laughs> like yeah. I, I, I say I say that often as you know a tongue in cheek comment, but it's it's so true. It's so easy to get caught up in these in these. They're, they're superficial and they're almost comic um, problems that happen and, you know, you get so emotionally attached to them and I just think, you know, it could be worse. You could be dead. Yeah. What's, talk us through some of the biggest unexpected uh learnings and or challenges that you found you know you talked about seeing things like the rent you know in the bricks and mortar business and um, utilities bills and stuff like that yep what else comes to mind when you think of things where you're just like oh like i've got to learn to deal with this or i've got to learn to understand this like i guess maybe surprises or or just challenges that have um you've seen in the last you know let's say 24 months between the two um that's a good question i think it the running the running the gym and this is something that i think um i started listening to your podcast with marcus and dom um and for those listening, you know, I also know Dom because I was here when he was training back in 2015 at workshop as well. So we've done a bit of training together and we're, um, we're mates also. And, you know, one thing Dom spoke about was that it's easy to just keep, do the simple things well, keep the gym clean. And so focusing on running the gym from an operations point of view but then also running it from a management point of view. It's almost two different hats that you have to wear. Mm-hmm. And that has been a little bit more challenging than I anticipated. Having to worry about all the back of house stuff and that emails get sent out, that posts get put on Facebook, that we're also you know, trying to get some um, social media traction. But then also I have to... You know, when I'm coaching a class, be there for the participants in the class. And then when I'm cleaning the gym, have to make sure it's clean. And just these 
like there's a very big difference between running the gym from an operations point of view and running it from a management point of view and trying to do trying to do both of those things well is is tough yeah one of the um one of the kind of metaphors or analogies sometimes that i think about is i think it was from peter drucker who was like a famous um he was like an old school uh management guru he's got a great book it's called the effective executive yeah and he talks about this concept of an organism that grows and the basic premise is like when the organism is really small all of its energy goes into its external environment Mm -hmm. so if you think about like a baby frog that sits on a branch or something like that of a tree it's got these big eyes and it's basically sitting there still waiting for a fly or whatever to go past and then the tongue lashes out and it grabs the fly yeah and it's pretty much job is to worry about the external the the opportunities or maybe a threat so it's got to jump away and then as the organism goes gets bigger there's more and more energy that gets allocated to running the internal so Mm -hmm. like you know as a human our organism yeah we've got the the external environment but then we've got like more happening with our digestion and our hormonal systems and all of this stuff like actually sucks a lot of fuel even to run our brain to solve problems and all of this yep. and the, basically the the parallel is that when we think of um you know when you're the sole maybe you're the outdoor trainer with one or two clients like you're focusing on delivering and yep. getting maybe a few more opportunities and you're fine your overheads are low and then you fast forward to a gym and it's like okay there's like you know potentially staff there's tax there's utilities there's like this huge chunk of energy like literal energy that's just getting allocated to maintaining the internal of this whole organization just to run yeah and yeah. i think it catches no, a lot of people cool. it's yeah. like heavy you know yeah it, and, it does and yeah. you can't and you the the thing for him was that you can't it with that said the frog can't stop looking for the prey so the communications your marketing all of the the operation delivery um you know running workshops whatever you do has to keep going for the organism to survive and it ends up being a big challenge you know yeah yeah i i agree i like that it is it is challenging but try to enjoy it whilst whilst we're here yeah that's it uh okay what about some um you know a lot of people listening it's not necessarily going to be a gym, but I think a lot of people are, you know, that I speak to anyway, are doing something. They're thinking about making that next step where mm-hmm. they, you know, derive an income based off of the thing that they love. Yeah. And whether that be, you know, they're a trainer or a movement coach or something like that, or, um, you know, they possibly a designer or something else and looking to freelance Mm -hmm. like you know i guess the question is for you you know do you feel it's worth it do you feel that the wins outweigh the challenge the adventures worth the squeeze like how does it all when the when the dust settles yep is there anything that you would share for those people who might be 12 to 24 36 months away from actually pulling the trigger yep but that you could share with them well, I, again, another 
kind of tongue-in-cheek comment I always make, but it is it is 100% true, is that I'm I'm living the dream. Like I I wake up every day and I absolutely love what I get to do. I love my life, and I think in a day and age where you know mental health issues are so prevalent. Um, and there are all these external forces and factors that come into play. You know, I consider myself so lucky to be able to wake up every day and really look forward to what I get to go and do. And one of the things that I think contributes to that is, and if you're in a position where, you know, you want to start something because you feel as though it's your passion and you want to... um, you know, in maybe in conjunction with your job that you have or you want to go out and do it on your own is to get the right people in, the, in your corner. That's, that's a massive one. You know, you need, to, you need to surround yourself with people that just help you move towards where you're going. And, you know, I'm probably, I'm probably paraphrasing the combination of Joe Rogan and Gary V here where it's like you just you just need to get like shit people out of your circle and yeah. get get the right people you need that when you say oh hey you know this is what I'm thinking of doing they just they're excited for you you know yeah. they they they're your they're your proper and true friends and they go hey like that that sounds awesome you know I'm you're doing this, like you could try this or what about this? You don't need the people around that you say, oh, you know, I'm thinking about this. And then they say, oh, well, you know, that won't make you any money or, you know, you're, you're on a hundred grand a year at your job now. Why would you want to leave that and go and, and go and paint rocks? It's like, yeah. well, you, you just, the, a big one is that you've got to get the right people around you and then, the other big thing I would say is that you've got more time than you think. I realised pretty quickly... I, I had this light bulb, light bulb moment probably 12 months ago where I had a pretty busy day and I had some coaching and then I had a, a meeting and then I had some see the ability clients and then I had a, a dinner and so I thought, bummer, like, you know, I'm, I'm flat out all day. There's no, t- there's no time to train. And I kind of sat there and looked at the day and thought, of course there's time to train, you idiot. Just get up an hour and a half earlier. And so the alarm was set for, you know, quarter to, it was like 5 a.m. or like 10 past, quarter past five. And I got up and trained before I had the first commitment, which might have been coaching at six or it was, it was it was something but I just just made the time and then ever ever since that kind of light bulb moment I've always thought you've got you've got more time than you realize so if you work from you know nine to five and then you you come home and you're knackered and you need half an hour to sit down and do nothing then you make dinner and you know talk to your wife or husband or girlfriend or boyfriend whatever it is you know you've, you undoubtedly you could find an hour or even half an hour each day that you can devote to planning how to move towards what you want to be doing and away from what you don't want to be doing 
and then you know if it's an hour each day and then let's say it's it's two hours on the weekend you know that's that's nine hours a week and then across 10 weeks that's all that's 90 hours that you've been focusing on something you want to be improving on and you get closer and closer towards being able to move towards what you want to do and away from what doesn't get you out of bed in the morning with a smile on your dial. Yeah, I love it. Um, okay, man, is there anything else that you want to talk about or add in? I think it's, I think it's been really good. I really, I really appreciate it. I think there's been a lot there. Um, in terms of this, this concept of a juggling act for a lot of people, cause it will be a juggling act, you know, um, well it is for everyone, but I think for you to talk through some of the things that you've seen. Um, and then also I think, you know, the power of that, that personal story, when you hear your, the way that you talk through the progression of CV ability and workshop, it makes total sense. Like it makes, it's, it's not obvious, but it's like, oh yeah, like that's, that's awesome. You're in a perfect place to be doing that. And I think for the listener to then hold the mirror up and go, okay, cool. Like, what is it that lights me up? What is it that's part of my story? Um, because everyone's got a story and everyone's been through experiences. And a lot of that sometimes ties into their interests and they are in a decent position to, you know, to go further on some of these things. Yeah. So that's been cool. The, yeah, I think at risk of sounding like a broken record, the, the most important thing is that, and, you know, I'm sure there are some people out there that are, you know, listening, listening to this and going, well, you're only 23. Like, what the hell would you know? Like, get out of here. But <laughs> I, I, I feel as though I see all these people that are, a perfect example is I've got mates that, you know, that, that age, 22, 23, 24, you're now out of uni and you're now moving into full-time work. And so, you know, they're, they're going from six months off a year and two days a week at uni to now five days a week, 8 a.m. to five o'clock. And they're already talking about how much they are like disenfranchised and unhappy with their work environment. And I just think, like, far out, you know, you're only, you're only six months into the game and the idea is that, you know, you're telling me that you're going to be doing this for the next 40 years and you're mm. already talking about how much you can't stand it. And so if there's something you want to do, just go out and do it. As cliche as, cliche as that sounds and as, like, simple as that sounds, you know, it's just you've got to... You got to you got to spend more time doing what you want and less time doing what you don't like because it's just it it eats away at you and I and I see it happening to my mates you know they get they get they get grumpy and then they then they get a negative outlook and then they become the kind of person that I was talking about that you don't want to be around I think when you find people that are so like lit up and energized on life it makes you you know it, that that energy is infectious and then it's this positive feedback loop where their excitement makes you excited and then your excitement makes them excited and then you're just going back and forth of each other and then there's another person and and it just it just feeds into itself and 
you know? Do do what you love, man. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh that's a huge one. I think having people around if the culture, the micro culture around you is people who they might not be starting businesses, but they they're doing, you know, they're doing the things that they love. They're doing they they they've got that, you know, I guess bias towards positivity and bias towards action and, you know, all of the good stuff. You it does make things a lot easier. You know what I mean? Because yeah. you're the trend it's like it's like the trend is to to continue with that you know what i mean which is cool yeah absolutely okay man anything else you want to add or share no i don't think so i think i just touched on it at the end there and so i won't i won't i won't keep rambling i think we've we've been here for a little bit over an hour so i think people are probably sick of hearing my voice Alrighty, well i'll put your details in the um notes of the podcast yep um and thanks so much for your time. I thanks, really thanks appreciate so much it. for having me. And that's it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I think there's some really cool takeaways in that one. If you're looking to create a business, if you're looking to start something, you're looking to become an owner, uh, it gives you a little bit of the insights and some of the challenges that there can be, you know, especially in those early days as you're kind of getting a handle on everything so if you got any questions on this one or if anything particularly resonated with you i'd love to know john at johntmarsh.com your feedback is always appreciated that's it for today thank you so much for listening see you on the next one